This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hi, everybody. Welcome uh, once again to another co-pro of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz, and, of course, Ale LaRouge with Peter Hooten. It is a very, very special episode, as we all know. My heart's racing even talking about it. Um, it's been a long time coming. I should have really played the long and wide and roll by the Beatles, um, because it has been. We are joined by Dan Kay, and I'm made up you're on this, Dan, as well, because you, you've, you've been a stalwart of certainly the poetry and motion ones, and we've uh, we've shared a few anxious moments with the Reds and happy ones as well, so I'm glad I'm glad you're on board this. Peter Hooten, of course, is there. Hello, Pete. Hi, Neil. OK? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Hi, Dan. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. And LA, LA, LA to Simon Hughes. How are you, Simon? Journalist. And oh, all right, Simon. I'm trying to just cut across you. That doesn't start well, does it? <laughs> What's that? I just cut across you then. It didn't ah, start. <laughs> well, edit it out so you sound perfect, mate. Don't you worry sound, about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, look, we we, uh, we had another co pro just before, uh, another podcast just before the derby. Um, and as uneventful and uninspiring and dull and drab as that was, we were looking for well, we were looking ahead to, not necessarily forward to the Crystal Palace game, uh, which was you know n- never an easy concept at Anfield with Liverpool, the last team, team to beat us there. There were four games unbeaten after the lockdown, uh, no goals conceded, but boy, oh boy, did Liverpool put it on a season championship winning performance there. They absolutely slaughtered them. I'll start with you, Peter. First and yeah. foremost, uh, after the uh, after the, the the misery of the derby, yeah. how yeah. did that Palace game feel for you? I mean, it was just the perfect game, wasn't it? It was just unbelievable. I mean, you know, everything went right, didn't it? And, and you know, obviously, Palace have been difficult opponents in the past, but uh, we just blew them away, didn't we? And I think that start of they didn't enter our box in the second half, did we? You know, it's just, just incredible, isn't it? You know, the, but it was, a, it was truly, a, you know, a championship performance. You know, we totally outclassed them, you know. And if there had been a crowd there, it would have been what's it like to be outclassed, Crystal Palace, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It felt a lot like the uh, Dan. It felt a lot like the um, the Leicester away game as well when we went there and and really stamped authority on the games and we sort of broke the hearts of any kind of hopes Leicester had. It felt like that. It was it was a totally commanded performance from start to finish. It was a masterclass, wasn't it? Just like at Leicester. And what what I was so pleased about was the fact that. On the back of the derby, which obviously was a bit flat, a bit uninspiring. And also as well, the slightly sketchy run of form that we had before the lockdown. I think we'd lost four out of the last six in all competitions before mm. before everything shut down. It was just a little reminder. Not that necessarily it was needed, but just to put in the forefront of, of our minds and of the watching football public's minds that this is how good this team is. This is, this is what we've been enjoying all season. And I think it, it, was, a, it was a reminder almost of themselves as well. This is why these are one of the greatest champions that English football's ever seen and Liverpool's ever seen. And, and it, 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 just, it just felt really, really timely, didn't it? Do you know what I mean? Just that little reminder about this is the, this is the magnificence that we've been enjoying all season. And don't you forget it, these, these boys are here to stay. Yeah, absolutely. And Simon, you, uh, Dan's just made a great point about the sort of little tiny sketchy dip in form Liverpool had before lockdown. Coincided, really, with a little bit of sketchy form that Fabinho had, had been having. Mm. But but boy, did he come back with a vengeance! I mean, he he was he was uh, arguably man of the match, but he was he was sensational in that Palace game. Well, I think he matching in both games so far. Liverpool thought you know that the times were there against Everton that he was he was getting closer to the sort of form that he had before his injury um, at the back end of last year. But you know, he won a lot of possession midfield. Um, 
his, 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 his on the ball was excellent as well. So, you know, the the, the game against Palace was a, a, an advancement on that. I thought it was an absolutely outstanding performance. And just a reminder, as the lads have said there, you know, just a reminder of how good this Liverpool team can be. I mean, obviously, Fabinho, he's missing for a decent chunk of the season, which people forget as well. You know, he's, he missed, I think, probably two months, you know, Alison Becker's missed quite a lot of games, but hasn't always been Liverpool. When you when you when you've got all the players fit, you just realise how amazing they can be. And you know, it's the forward line as well, right on. I mean, people obviously there's a lot into the Everton performance. It was the first game back, but I think it just reminds that you know when forwards turn up, that they're irresistible, aren't they? You can't you can't stop them. There's no way of stopping them. When forwards turn up and the two fullbacks up in the way they did as well, Robertson and, and Trent. Just there's no way of stopping them. There's you know there's five people you've got to stop playing. I think that really difficult team to play against Liverpool and the absolute is a short palace. Yeah, absolutely. And Pete, we talked in the, in, the, in the previous podcast about the imbalance during the Everton game with Robertson not being not being there, and, and we could see the difference, couldn't we, when they can attack down them both them flanks and, and the engine of Robertson. He, he makes such yeah. a difference, as do anyone. They're all part. They're all sorts of very vital components in their own right, aren't they? But him back and Salah back made for a yeah. much better team. Yeah, as John Coleman was saying, you know, Liverpool more or less play with two centre-backs, don't they? Yeah. And the uh, the full-backs are wingers, basically, you know, overlapping wingers, really, you know, overlapping full-backs, but absolutely magnificent. And I thought, got, um, before the match, I mean, I don't know how you felt, but I was nearly crying. I had a lump in my throat, you know, with the uh, all the flags out yeah. on Incredible. the top. And you never walk alone getting played. And it was, it was something uh, very poignant, very melancholic yeah. about it as well, but... I don't know if Simon was Simon. Were you at the get? Were you at the match? Were you at all? I wasn't, Peter. They've no. only got um, a certain number of press passes at the moment, and I'm not considered important enough to be sensed. But um, <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the team was James was there on behalf of the Athletic, and to be honest, my job this season has been not so much match focused. Anyway, I've been able to go to a lot of matches in a non-way capacity this season. You know, on season ticket, so. Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't really start throwing me weight about just because, uh, <laughs> you know, because there was there was obviously the fans were allowed in. But yeah, I mean, it it was quite strange. That, you know, listening to James talk, I was into watching it because they, I think they used the press box right at the top of the main stand rather than the one at the bottom the main stand where you feel obviously a lot closer to the action. I do wonder whether because he didn't want the some of the writers hearing about hearing all the things Gavin Klopp shouting at the team. But I'd be surprised <laughs> if that was the case. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice of James Pierce as well because I know he got four tickets. It was nice of him to take his mates as well. So it was a good touch that as well. Um, so, so, so we get through that. As you say, very poignant. Also mentioned to point. There was a nice shot as well of the uh, of the steward jacket hanging over uh, uh, one, yeah. of the, uh, one of the sections with Paul Smith's name on. It's just a very Liverpool way of doing it. You know, no advertising, no need to try. I know other clubs have. It, it's great that they've they've charged people to. Not great to the charge, but people have paid to, to to have their faces on seats and all that kind of thing. But just all the banners and stuff, it's just I know I'm biased, but we always just seem to do it with a bit of class, don't we? Yeah, I mean We're, go on, Dan, sorry. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> Excuse me, it's clearly throat there. Um I I was quite lucky to get a, a little bit of a sneak preview of it the week before. <coughs> I'm sure a few of you'll be aware of Peter Carney, who's kind of pretty much the, the doyen of, of Liverpool banners. <coughs> and I was tasked with dropping a couple into him. This is the week before the Palace game, when he was putting them all together, and the 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 culture of support around Liverpool, around the club, is something that's always made us unique. And the, the, you know, 
as Peter said then, we've all heard you never walk alone a million and one times, but it's rarely had the same kind of emotional power that it had, I think, last Wednesday night. You know, just watching it myself, I kind of, I was quite choked seeing it. Being, it, it reminded it, me, Dan. Mm. Sorry, Dan, it reminded me, you know, uh, the week after Hillsborough, really. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Very it's shrine so like, didn't it? felt very yeah, shrine like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I, I spoke to John Aldridge for his, for his echo column on Monday, and he made that exact same point. Yeah, it was beautiful, really well done. And it, and if there's if it if it did lead uh, any inspiration to the players, that will will we'll, all all the better. I mean, we came to that game. I mean, absolute masterclass. Then we had to sit back and and watch. And you know what? There's many ways of winning the league. And people said, "Oh, I wish this, and I wish that." I actually, part of me is pleased that we beat Palace so emphatically, and City just proved that they they didn't have the stomach for the fight. I mean, we took them right to the wire. In fact, the very last day of of, of, of football last season, we you know they were brilliant. They, they won fourteen on the trot. They chased us and chased us and chased us. They just didn't have the stomach for it this year. They 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 coughed and spluttered the way through the season, and we just I think we just we just frightened the life out of them, did we not, boys? Yeah, I think looking at the match, I mean, obviously, I think some of, some of us were thinking, oh, it'd be great to go to the Etihad and win it there, but, you know, give us last Thursday any day because you've you've won the league, haven't you? Yeah. And you can relax a bit, you know, but there's always a danger if you go to the Etihad, you know, and the result doesn't come out uh, as you wanted it, you know, then you get all the critics. So it's a great way to win it, not actually playing it. And I suppose for the team it was as well because they're all watching it. So they could all properly celebrate and enjoy yeah. themselves, you know. Yeah. And I think it was the fact that uh, what the yeah, club said, they're all in a bubble anyway. So, mm. you know, they can do that. They're getting tested twice a week, you know. Yeah. And it was just great to see all that footage of them genuinely, uh, you know, they were just overjoyed, weren't they, you know. I, I mean, I, I don't know what everyone's yeah. ages. Oh. I know that I was around the last <clears> time this happened. Um, um, Pete, I know you were around. Uh, yeah, Dan. I might have been. Yeah, you might have been. Yeah. <laughs> Twinkling the milkman's eye. Uh, Simon and Dan, were you both around? And when, or you, co- you know, do you have cognitive memories of, of doing this yeah. last time? Or was, or was this for you? Me... Was... Go on, Simon. Go, sure. can, no. keep keep jumping the gun here, don't I? Um, don't yeah, 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 um, yeah. Well, I, I, I don't remember 1990. Um, I, I remember elements of 88 and 89 for some reason, but not 1990. Uh, it just seems a bit unfair. But for me, like I. I Every single day of my life wondered what it would be like that moment when it finally ends. You know, I remember thinking in 92, 94, 95, and even in those years, 25 years ago, that the last title seems a distant past in many ways. So you'd always envisage how you feel and the reaction that you'll have at that final moment when you actually realise Liverpool have crossed the line. I've got to be honest, it was a strange sort of. Uh, sensation for me I think because um, you just don't expect it to be in those circumstances um, but I, I know what you're saying I think in some ways it's appropriate that they did it without having to play themselves because yeah. it does it does remind the, the, these te- like the team below the pool just haven't been able to keep up all season people they've been top of the league since the first Friday of the season the mm. Liverpool won 4-1 against Norwich put them mm. top they haven't, they haven't, they haven't been even look threatened to be knocked off top at any point since then. So, you know, there was always a chance that, that, that another team sort of uh, capacity to, to go and win was going to end up with winning, winning the league. So, I mean, I'll be honest, I mean, it, was, it was a bit of a subdued situation for me in some ways because I was having to work. Um, you know, we had another podcast to do and a bit of writing and 
I live in Crosby, so like I could hear like fireworks going off the distance and you know, people celebrating by the time I'd finished, it was midnight. And Crosby being Crosby's <laughs> like Las Vegas, is it? You know what I mean? So was he had gone to bed by then? <laughs> I was uh, I, I was nearly thirteen in nineteen ninety. So I, I can I can remember it quite reasonably clearly. But to be honest, my overriding memory of that is a slight sense of dis- dissatisfaction because we'd lost the FA Cup semi-finals at Crystal Palace a few weeks mm. before. And I remember thinking, well, we've won the league, which is all right, but we've blown the double again for the third year running. And I hope we do a, bit, a little bit better next year. You know, that, that's how kind of blasé and a little bit spoiled we'd, 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 uh, we'd, we'd become by that stage, even at you know, relatively you know, young, young years that I had. Then, as for Thursday, my experience, to be honest, was a little bit like size. I was actually uh, working on a, you know, a standard three to 11 evening shift. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, there was a small part of me that was actually hoping that City would win because it was due to be off this Thursday when the City-Liverpool game is. Now, oh, you're so selfish, you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I said it was only a little bit of a part of me. And, and to be honest, the way the evening panned out, it was, it was a privilege and an honour to get to cover such a momentous moment of, of, of history like that. I mean, but part of it was as well. I knew that if this three eleven will become three to eleven o'clock the next day, if if it happens at all, and obviously it did. We ended up working into well into the early hours of the morning. But I had me, you know, my patio doors open. I could hear fireworks going off. Even basically as soon as as soon as William William Penalty went in, and it, it it wasn't the way I think any of us imagined it. But I think as I think as you alluded to just at the start of this little bit, Fitzy. I think from the supporters' point of view, the fact that obviously these unusual circumstances, mm. I think it was better from a supporters' point of view that it happened when we weren't <clears> playing because mm. none of us would have been present at a Chelsea Man City game anyway. What do they call it? FOMO, the fear of missing out. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and I think the fact that it kind of that it did play out this way kind of mitigated, minimised that a little bit. And um, you know, at the end of the day, I've I've been yearning my entire. Adolescence and adult life to see Liverpool become champions, and mm. and now we are. And and the nature of the way it's happened means that I think the celebrations are going to be almost like staggered and extended through the summer. So even if the likes of me inside maybe didn't get the chance to cut loose properly last Thursday, that time will come. Whether it's you know with a few weeks or a few months or when we're back in the ground or whenever, it's 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 like a slow burner, isn't it? Really, it is a slow burner, and I think with that comes more of an acceptance of it. Pete, what were you doing? On, on, I've got I've got a confession to make actually. Uh, I was actually watching the match in ours and I had no intention of going anywhere out. Uh, I was just going to stay at home. But my daughter, who's in her early 20s, her and a mate were here and they were just going mad. said, we've got to go to the ground, we've got to go to the ground. I said, no, you know, to be, don't go to the ground. Let's, she said, no. You, so they were determined to go to the ground, you know. Yeah. Uh, I've lost so, parental control, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I drove them to the ground and uh, stood... Uh, away from the main stand, you know, on the the, the next road, you know, behind the, the bushes and all that. So we we watched it socially distanced, but it was absolutely it was spontaneous, you know. And yeah, I think uh, it was spontaneous, and you know, it, it's one of those things. I'm I'm waiting for the stocks to get built in the city centre so I can admit that I was uh, I was down there. But I, I I wouldn't have gone down. I don't think. I, my impression was I was going to go down maybe to Queens Drive. And just driving cars, that's I thought would be the best thing to do. Mm. But then when we were getting towards Queen's Drive, you know, everyone was obviously there was traffic jams past Goodison up Spella Lane, you know, to uh, yeah, yeah. to Anfield and there. So we parked on Priory Road, walked through the park, 
and stood on the on the end where the you know where the media thing is where they have to tell each stuff there, and just people were standing round and and you know I don't think we you know we we tried to socially distance. A couple of people tried to shake me hand, but uh, I just give them the elbow. You know, yeah. you know it's <laughs> one of them. But you know the next day I just thought well it felt like the right thing to do. You know and you know you know I didn't put uh, myself at risk or. or or my daughter and her mates, you know, it was one of them. I just thought it was, I should go to make sure they're safe, you know. Well, uh, the, th- the thing is about that, it's a personal thing, and I've got, uh, my view on it is this, as long as you do it in a way, listen, you know, none of us are condoning anything that happens at the Pierheads, we know that. We know there was a lot of people there as well, actually just going down and uh, and behaving themselves. So you always get yeah, idiots. Yeah. Every, every fan group of every club has idiots, and if they say yeah. they're hypocrites. Now, the fact of the matter is, I think... Football is such a personal, passionate journey that whatever you decide to do in that moment, as long as you're safe and as long as you're healthy, is yours and yours alone to do. Yeah. We've seen a million people on Bournemouth Beach. I put a thing out on Twitter saying, look, anyone slagging, anyone slagging Liverpool fans off? Because I knew, look, you're not going to stop people after 30 years no. going out and wanting to do something. And I put a thing on saying, look, you know, let's not give Liverpool fans stick let's, unless they all want to mm. get the train down to Bournemouth on the beach because that seems to be yeah. okay. You know, that's had mixed reviews, think... but my point was not, I was never going to... Obviously, what happened after it made my made my tweet look a little bit more irresponsible. But I wasn't certainly suggesting that people act like idiots. My point yeah. was that I knew people would want to go. The ground is a shrine, certainly mm-hmm. to us. I can remember '89. I can remember the heartache of '89. I can remember the events of '89 that nearly took me life. And I can remember standing watching Michael Thomas take the lead lead off the league off in the last minute of the game, and I'm in the cop. So I can remember mm-hmm. that heartache, and, and, I, think and I know what got, it means. You know. The year before, 750,000 people yeah. went to the Strand yeah. uh, by the Pierhead. This year, probably 1% of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, less than 10,000, you know, probably uh, estimates put it between 5 and 7. So 1%, how's that 1%? 0.01 is an absolute idiot with a firework, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think you've got to put it in perspective. Obviously, you know, we're disappointed that happened. But, you know, it's one of those things you've got to put into a sense of proportion. Yeah. You know, 750,000 compared to what happened. Yeah. And so, some of my mates went down and, I, you know, they were asking me to go down, but I'd be into the ground and I thought, no, that's that's it for me. You know? Yeah, it's a personal journey. All right, let's look like, guys, if you don't mind, let's move away from that and let's talk a bit more about the man who's come here. And and and, yeah. and 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 done done what he's done. I find that there are a couple of things on social media today that got sent to me that really had me in tears. Musical things that are, that are incredible. I wanted to pass them on Twitter, but they're too long. But they're just one is about Liverpool, the long and winding roads, and, and going through the managers. And the yeah, other one I've is, seen that. The other one is very uh, you know clock centric, if you like. And, and I'm dumbfounded. I'm lost for words, fellas. When I try to when I try to get my head around what this man. Has achieved with us, and 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 how he is bedded in, and how he has just completely dovetailed into into our way of life. He was appointed in 2015, Europa League final, two Champions League finals in 18 and 19, winning the, the winning the, the last one for our sixth time. Um, uh, 97 points, one point off winning the league last year, the highest, the third highest total in the history of the English top division, and the most by a team without winning it. And in the following season. The UEFA Super Cup winners. He's, he was the FIFA World, uh, the FIFA World Cup we've won. He's also won the FIFA Coach of the Year, and now he's brought us the title. How, how we're going to do this in the podcast, we're not. But let me just start with with, with you, Dan, and then we'll go to uh, we'll go to <clears> Simon as well, who's, who's got a book out, uh, who will give us a bit of insight. But Dan, what is, where did this alien come from? 
Well, he came from the Black Forest in Germany. We know that. Uh, the little bits I read something recently, basically saying the part he's from in Germany, they speak their own kind of dialect that no one else in the country can understand. <laughs> and he kind of drew a little <laughs> bit of a comparison that between between Scousers and Liverpool, which I thought was nice. I mean, I'm only in my early forties. You know, I was only four when when Bill Shankly passed, so I've only really heard of him from you know my elders and betters and stuff I've read and watched over the years. But <clears throat> you know, I've heard Peter talk about this before. I don't think there's anybody that that come close to having the same kind of impact on the club in terms of drawing the, the everybody together on mm. and off the field since since the great man Bill Shankly. Um, the, the one little thing that kind of that, that stuck in my mind around about this time last week it would have been I was uh, reading reading the program notes for the for the Crystal Palace game and he was talking about how you know, obviously the unusual circumstances that we're in playing these matches behind closed doors. And he and there was I can't remember exactly how it was phrased, <clears throat> but he basically made the point that that basically when we all you know t- specifically talking about his players when we all fall in love with football it's when we're kids it's when we're playing with our mates in front of no crowds in front of one man and a dog in, in a park if you're lucky and what he was basically making making sure that his players understood you know, his players understood that you're playing in these unusual matches for the love of the game for the love of the supporters who aren't there. And that's got to be your mindset. Remember why you love the game. Remember why you love football. And it was such a, such a it may be obvious to some people, but I, it just struck me as such a, a clever bit of psychology and a clever bit of thinking. That um, I mean, as it, you know, I'm, I'm sure the, these players have proven, as Peter said, since, since the first game this season, that they are a champion team. You know, they proved it more of last season as well. But so, so that that's one aspect of it, you know, the, the way he kind of pitches it to his players, and then the other the other thing I'd, I'd, I'd mentioned as well is, and he made this point himself after the after the Crystal Palace game, this relentless hunger and intensity that he's instilled into his players. There was this, there was the incident, wasn't it, a couple of minutes uh, before the end of the game against Palace, when four Liverpool players, eighty-eight minutes, yeah, so, so, yeah, so, some poor hapless Crystal Palace defender. With the game long won, with the title, you know, in the bag, it was match point Liverpool by this stage, and yet they've still got that hunger, that relentlessness, yeah. and that to me sums up the man, sums up what we as Liverpool Liverpool supporters want to see from our players. We know that we're not going to win every game. We know that we're not going to get ninety seven points or one hundred and seven points or whatever it's going to be every single season, but we want our we want our, our boys to give everything, and. You know, I can't really think of any occasions under the, the Jurgen Klopp when they when they haven't done. Even in those early days when they weren't that good and they lost some games here and there. Even from those early weeks, I remember going to Watford and seeing us lose three 0 only a couple of months after he'd taken charge. And even though it was poor, I still felt that they'd given it everything. They were just they were just not at the races. Mm-hmm. And the, the the improvement and and the progression that we've seen in four and five years is just it's just been a joy for for everybody involved. Simon, if we go to you, you've got uh, you've written a few books, obviously, about the Reds. LA, LA, LA is coming out in July. Um, and this is like a kind of an inside account of, of the Klopp era, isn't it? He came in 2015 after 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 we got very, very close and we were Rogers. We had, you know, for mm. obvious reasons, the one game there that the, and then it all went to Koch. He came here with 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 with, with disillusioned fans. We've been there before, we'd nearly got there, nearly men, and all that kind of thing. But when you look at Klopp, he chose us as much as we chose him, didn't he? Because he he'd been offered the Man United roles, he'd been offered them the year before. But there was something about it that was kind of that was written in the stars about him coming here and and and, and doing these incredible things. 
Yeah, spot on. I mean, when he Dave, I mean, I forget the day he, he was appointed. Really, it did feel like a, you know, a momentous moment in the club's history. Even without knowing what was to follow, it felt. I don't know. There was a. It was almost like an, an automatic mentality shift. You know, Liverpool has obviously gone close under under Brendan Rodgers, and I played some amazing football in, in that season. Easy to forget that. You know, they were so close, and I think still still think these days. Win it, but you know, having a manager of that stature uh, in place, it just shifted the club's sort of status straight away. I felt it just felt like Liverpool were really serious about becoming a, a competitive club and a competitive team. And well, at the time when he, when he came in, I think I remember writing the the you know the challenge in front of him probably the, the, arguably the biggest thing in European football really when you think about the expectation of Liverpool not really necessarily meeting reality each year. You know, as each year passes and another opportunity to win the title goes by, the challenge becomes greater and greater and greater. But day one, I mean, Dan's what's trying to do, there's just been unbroken progression, really. There's never been oh, even a run of four or five, six dodgy games where you think the wobbling a bit here, Liverpool. They've always, you know, the, the four has been consistently very good. You know, they've only, you know, they haven't gone through a rocky period, really. All right, people might say the sort of January periods in each season haven't been as good, but they've still picked up a lot of in those in those months, just not enough to, to, to get to exactly where they want to be. So he, he has, a, I mean, he, he runs the club now, Jürgen Klopp. I mean, I know he's keen to layer out all of the praise amongst the staff, which, you know, it is fair and deserved, but he his hands and fingerprints are all over the club now. It's his club, and he he's established that within five years. And you know, the, the biggest thing that I can say is, I mean, it's easy, maybe it's easy when you know you've won the Champions League and you won the league the following season and everything's going well. But he's been there five years, and it just feels like yesterday. It feels fresh. Mm. You know, when he speaks, his his voice still carries weight. Fans listen to him even. Only today, you know, he said that they're not going to defend the title, they're going to attack the title. And I'm like, bloody hell, you can't wait for next yeah. year. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. he's just got that way with words. He is, is you know, his is, is, uh, spoken words is very powerful. And that's the question that you're asked about, you know, choosing Liverpool and being the right fit. You've got to give the owners to, to getting that over the line and identifying exactly, you know, how that would work for Liverpool and making sure that it happens. Because he could have gone to a lot of different clubs that summer in 2015. You know, his age was doing a lot of work trying to figure out exactly where the land lied. A lot of different clubs, you know, across uh, across Europe, but particularly because he felt that England's would be the best place for him to come next. You know, because he sort of... That, the thing about him that I love is he admits his limitations. Like, if I went to Spain, you know, my, the way I speak wouldn't carry the same weight. So, you know, that's why I wanted to come to England. Liverpool... Just ticks all those boxes, and going back to what you were saying before about like him coming from near Stuttgart. The thing that I find a bit mad about it all—he's based from a little village in in the Black Forest in rural Germany. Yeah, he's gone in to like two major like urban areas like Dortmund and Merseyside, where the fan bases are just absolutely nuts and, and nails on both occasions. Mm. You know, there's just something a bit insane about that. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just hope you know. I, a year ago or so, I was I was talking to Peter after he won the Champions League, and I remember saying, you know, a bit concerned that he might leave, you know, at some point in the near future. But I think he's now that 
the opportunity that he's got at Liverpool is different to what it was at Dortmund. Even if he won the league, even if he won the Champions League, he'd still have to sell players to buy Munich and Real Madrid. That's not the case now at Liverpool. Mm. No one in England is going to take any Liverpool players off them. And equally, you know, take Liverpool. They're the best team than Barcelona and Real Madrid now, aren't they? You know, the best team in Europe, the best team in the world, aren't they? It's you know, he's got a great opportunity to kick it on again, do you think? Well, let's hope so, because I, you know, I, I'm one of those um, glass half empty fans, mate. As soon as, we, as soon as the whistle went and we won the league, it was about 20 seconds in, so with tears down my, down my cheeks, and I turned around to my kids and went, I hope he never leaves us. It's that stupid thing of, <laughs> of, of just enjoy the moment, will you? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Please, if I can come to you, because, you know, yeah. you've you followed the Reds home and away for many, many years. Um, yeah. You've been everywhere with them, and I just wanted to touch on. On, on that thing about about what the club meant to club. I remember, I remember he went for a meeting with the, with the United board and he come back and yeah. his, his quote was something like, it was a bit Hollywood for me. And then he had that thing where he went to the, the FSG owners and he said, my first job here would be to reunite the fans. And it was yeah. all that thing about the doubters into believers. So as, mm. as someone who's followed them come rain or shine, mate, I mean, you know, they had that... that incredible moment where he went down with the teams in the after the West 1-1 West Brom draw yeah. wasn't it and everyone yeah. took the mech and it was like oh, he's celebrating but that was a pivotal moment Pete wasn't it because I think that was him because fans had left early and he didn't want fans to leave yeah. the game in the, in the previous yeah. game he needs the, he needs the love of the people Pete doesn't he yeah and I think it's you know the West Brom incident you know where the cynics were out after that but that was about unity yeah. I think he said that since that was to say look we're all together in this. We're going to do something. And I think if you look at the club over the years and, and you know, uh, over years of, uh, when we nearly won the league, even when Benitez 2009, 2008, 2009, the club wasn't united as such. You know, there was, you know, the Hicks and Gillette were there and there was all sorts of arguments on the terraces. Sim- similarly with Brendan Rodgers, I think. You know, not everyone was convinced by Brendan Rodgers, really, but... I think what Klopp has brought to the club, and Simon's quite right, uh, it's that unity and that collective spirit and that collectivism that Shankly instilled. Before Shankly, the club was not like that. He instilled that in and it became the boot room and everyone, it was like like an old mafia there, you know, the Godfathers. (laughs) They didn't go to the press and leak things to the press and, and it doesn't happen now really at Anfield, does it? You don't hear of any scandalous stories coming out. Everything's, you know, Klopp has got this um, loyalty from his backroom staff, and that's what Shankly had. Uh, and I think the, you know, the possibilities are endless with Klopp. And you could see when he, he when he broke down in tears the night when he was getting interviewed live. You know, you know that something like that. That means he he said I didn't know how I would react. He said, but it was just pure emotion. And when he started crying, half our house started crying. <laughs> and I think half people watching it in the country and around the world would have started crying because you knew what that you cannot you cannot fool people over that. I think no, a lot can't. of people thought Brendan Rogers wasn't the real deal. He might have read up on Shankly, but he didn't have that natural enthusiasm that Shankly had. But Klopp has got that in abundance. And you just saw that after they won the Champions League when he went back to Melbourne, he was hugging everyone. And the you know the dinner ladies and everyone was getting hugged. Weren't they? It must be a nightmare for them now, not being able to hug people. <laughs> but, uh, but everyone and that you know I don't think you know that was just that was spontaneous. That was spontaneous. Yeah. And I think Simon and other journalists have said to me, 
what you see is what you get. It is not an act. He's the genuine. And, you know, I'd have him leading the country. If we'd mm. have had him leading the country of coronavirus, we wouldn't have had the deaths we've had now, you know. Yeah, he's an extraordinary man. There was something on Football Focus a few weeks ago, and they were saying his old teammates and old friends from school, and I said, he should be running the country. They were yeah. talking about Jerry, you know, but I think, you know, everyone can feel that he just seems to say the right things at the right time. He does, he does, and you'll keep doing that if it's genuine, like you say, because it comes. It's it's he's not. It's not a game. And by the way, he wouldn't have fooled any of us if he was. And bear in mind what you just said there about the dark days. You know, before 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 Brendan Rodgers had the pop, and when Rafa Benitez was there, when we had Hicks and Gillette, before those two clowns left, we were three weeks away from administration. Don't forget, the club was in absolute turmoil, and the managers getting touted before Hodgson popped into it. I remember. Alan Kirby was in the ass. <laughs> this is how far we've come in, five, yeah, yeah. in, in just a few years, and you know, since, yeah. since since the nightmare of. I remember going to the Champions League final, Athens and Hicks and Gillette were there. They were staying in the hotel I was staying in, and they mm. didn't. I, I could see them with you know that our flash thing of putting the money in the pockets and all that. They were absolutely killing this club, and yeah. to think in just a short space of time there, uh, we've gone from almost having Alan Kirby as a manager to having this, this, uh, this just he's a messiah, isn't he, Dan? Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 just got that kind of charisma and personality that that makes people want to follow him. It, to, to me, one of the surest signs of that is the is the number of people I know, football fans I know, who aren't who, who generally don't like Liverpool. They might be Man United fans or Everton fans, and they can't help themselves but like yeah. him because mm. he's just got such an engaging personality, and and he has this ability, I think, to kind of like he he, he strikes this this the right balance between. Taking football as seriously as it needs to be taken, and obviously mm. it's, his, it's his profession. For many of us, it's our lives to a certain degree. But at the same time, he's able to keep that in perspective and realise that at the end of the day, it is only football. And that's a very that's a very difficult thing, I think, also as well to get across to his players. You know, I think as a couple of lads have alluded to already, you know, the, the expectation level. I think Sai said when, when he when he came in, it probably was the biggest job in football. You know, Liverpool's incredible history is our biggest blessing, but our biggest curse as well. Mm. And it's weighed so heavily on so many managers before him. And Klopp will have done his homework. He'll have known that before he come in. And obviously his player, you know, I don't think you have to be in the city long if you're playing for Liverpool to realise the burden of expectation on your shoulders. And yet somehow Klopp is able to kind of like get them into a place where they where they understand that, where they appreciate that, where they... Where they, where they can where they can carry that on their shoulders, but it doesn't weigh them down too much. And we've seen that in the football that they've played, the the freedom that they've been able to play with, particularly obviously in the last couple of years when Man City have raised the bar so high that kind of like even a draw felt like a defeat. And yet they've been able to carry that on their shoulders with you know with an elegance and a style and a grace, and and ultimately played with an with an enjoyment and and, and a and a freedom. That, that makes people smile and not just Liverpool fans smile at the end of the day football's about enjoyment and if the, you know, I always go back to the, the Mourinho era at Man United I mean obviously he's been a successful manager Mourinho and, and you can't knock his record but everything just seemed so joyless at that time didn't it mm. you know I mean looking from the outside in and, and you know but you look at what's happened at Anfield over the last two or three years alright well, you could you could say it's only the last 12 months or so that it's, that it's actually delivered tangible results in terms of trophies but you know that uh, you know trophies can't be the sole barometer of success. 
these, you know, the, the lads on the pitch and the lads and lasses off the pitch, we've all had the time of our lives over the last two or three years on this journey. And it's lovely that it's kind of resulted in, in the big pots that we all crave and that we all want. But, but football is also about memories and experiences. And we've had so many of them, not just this season, over the last two or three. And it, it all comes back to the manager and his mentality. Yeah, we must yeah, just say a yeah. second as well, just to just to say, you know, these these things are teamwork things. I know he's the first to do a club as well. I, I, mm. I thank everyone else, but must say, you know, the job that FSG have done, allowing him to do his job, but also Michael Edwards as well, um, in the acquisition of signings. You know, uh, um, they've they've worked well together, and it, it's come up. We look at some of the signings. There's there's that story that Michael Edwards had to convince Klopp to sign Salah because Klopp wanted Julian Brandt, didn't he? But, uh, when you look at some of the signs, Mane 30 million, Massive 3, Genie 25 mil, Robertson 8 mil. You know, you look at some of these and you think, he paid some big fees and thank God we had to, to get the big players in. But he's also done it in a remarkably astutely way, uh, astute way as well. Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think the big test, I suppose, of, of Michael Edwards and you know, Gowton's department will come eventually when Klopp leaves and, and whether... You know whether the the way doing things where through the middle of the market that that'll come down. Well, I, I think guess. that I think that was the thing I was trying to say about the marriage yeah. of things. It might not work with someone else, but it seems yeah. to have really worked this time round. Well, it, it does. I mean, I, I felt before Clock came in, I was quite critical of Clyde was at the time, and sort of felt that it, it felt like statistics. What I could sort of learn from the people I spoke to at the club, stats were sort of being the conclusion decisions rather than contributing towards. The outcome of decision makes sense. So I think what's done is obviously bring that that sort of obviously the charisma and everything that everybody's spoken about. That that football, you know, real football knowledge of how um, certain decisions will impact a group, for example, by one player or choosing. Sometimes it's about you know some of you know the success of the pool has been Klopp's courage not to go and sign somebody else. So impact, yeah. you know the. When, when, um, obviously, when they, they hit a bit of a dead end with Virgil van Dijk, you know, previous managers, there's no house would have thought, right, who, who is the second person on the list? Let's go and get him. Clock, like, actually, we can waste. You no, know, we can waste. And I, I guess it comes from the relationship that he has with the club and the trust that he has with the, with the board. Um, so, I mean, I think it's been a good marriage, really, because when, when they were looking to replace Brendan Rodgers, you know, I was told that there were certain people at Liverpool, who were a bit, a bit reticent, Jurgen uh, Klopp, because they, they sort of felt, you know, he's such a big character, you know, such a dominant personality. How's he going to work within the, the, the sort of the framework that they've put in place? And they realised, mm. you know, having met him, that the reality was actually, you know, he, he's very open-minded to sort of uh, the, the level of support that he was, he would get at Liverpool because he's actually, you know, worked with pretty, you know, pretty soft. Sporting director Bruce a lot of the transfers as well, and you know, we, so they opened them and he, he, they they, they realised that he he was not sort of the caricature that maybe some he's seen as because I know we talk about his his character and everything else, but the reality is, you know, he, I think he's actually got enough credit for you know shaping this Liverpool, moulding this Liverpool into a in a into a attacking unit at times when Buvac left the club, everybody was saying. You know, he's lost his like, sort of tackle mind there. He's gone. But he's at, since then, the team's just gone on and on and on. Yeah. And that's down to Klopp. A, listening to the right people. You know, again, Pep Linders has been a big, big player in all this behind the scenes. 
uh, and being a cop, just the courage of his conviction. That's when he speaks to people about him, he works with them. It, it, the thing that comes back all the time is it's his conviction that he, mm-hmm. that he says and does, he believes in 100%. Yeah. He never doubts, he's not a doubter. And I think that just makes the players believe in it. You know, when, when they know that somebody who's in charge is making big balls, that he actually really believes in stuff that he's saying. Other managers, they might make decisions, but the you know players pick up on like sort of hesitancy. That's not cool. He, he won like back to the Barcelona games, doesn't it? He's like he was realistic with them. He said, "Look, lad, you know we most people will say that you can't win this game, and you know I'd more than likely join them, but I know because it's you we have a chance. You know, so yeah. he, he got that message right. It wasn't like I'm putting pressure on you to get the game, but we do have that chance. And I just remember speaking to some of the players. Just thought, you know what? We actually did well against Barcelona in the first leg. Don't get that. If we get yeah. the first goal, you just don't know. And that's just a mess, simple message from Klopp, getting the message in tone right. He's, he's just done it consistently. I think that I think what also backs up his point though as well is, is he, he he's also manager of, of a club with a, with a, with a unique um, fan base and crowd that can absolutely frighten the life out of people. And I think he got that from day one, and he got the energy of that crowd. And and I'm sure part of his is talk to the team is obviously you can do it but 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 take the energy from that crowd and, and he's done that so many times hasn't he I think uh, I think he was surprised early on actually uh, you know when he was um, he said he felt all alone at one stage remember yeah. when people were leaving that time after um, a Premier League game and you know with 10-15 minutes to go yeah and he actually appealed to the crowd then, didn't That's he? Right. he? actually said, you know, and I think that was more or less a turning point as well, I think. You know, I don't know if you saw the thing in Joe yesterday, the um, publication about where Hamburg rejected Klopp because they didn't like his ripped jeans or something, you know. But <laughs> yeah. Simon, can you confirm whether he still wears ripped jeans or not? <laughs> He's met him the first week when he was on the trip at Melbourne, he was walking around jeans and Converse, you know what I mean? I was like, uh, this he, guy... Listen, Listen, he can double dem them for a lot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that story yeah. is true. You know, a lot of people doubted him in Germany. As well. I mean, yeah. you know, at, at, at the at the beginning, I mean, I've, I've spoken to a few people for a few pieces that have written the last few weeks, and um, you know, even people who represent him now were sort of having a few question marks at the very beginning because he's. There's a story about when he was at, um, he was Mainz manager along quite nicely at Mainz. Mainz were. Uh, I was part of his contract. He was able to arrange his own sort of um, branding deal he wanted to, and he was getting all sorts of offers. And he was a bit overwhelmed by it. And he, he realised then that he needed an agent because he hadn't had one in his life before because he wasn't a particularly good footballer. I'm not particularly in demand. So yeah. He went to a he went Nike, Nike were one of the people who wanted to speak to him, and the guy at Nike who's now his agent, Mark Kosicka, like he was sitting there thinking like this guy's pretty you know sort of confident. But he just doesn't look like a football manager. Like he's just, you know, he's just how 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 it's gonna pan out. Is he really like sort of the, the Nike one away? You know what I mean? So hmm. it just shows people have always doubted him. And I think I yeah. think like all all, all all sorts of a like all heroes of Liverpool. It's like with Steven Gerrard, isn't it? I think self doubt. I'm not saying Klopp doubts himself, but he uses people's maybe rejections as a, as something to fire him up and get him going again and. He's um, you know, he uses it as a, you know, as a for good, really, doesn't he? All that, all that sort. Of, any doubt or something, you can imagine him like at the start of pre-season or even from now on. I bet he's saying, "Look, you haven't experienced Liverpool, what it's like when you know when the whole city explodes after he won the 
league. Surely that's something that you've got to do again. You know, you can imagine him saying it now, like that. You know, we've got to do this again because we yeah. haven't experienced yeah. the full thing. You know what I mean? Mm. I think it was a lovely what touch you... for him in the speech. Sorry, Pete. A lovely touch in the speech for him to mention Kenny and Stevie <clears> as well. When it just shows that even in his own moments of jubilation, he's thinking of other people and thinking of other things for the club. Yeah, I was just going to mention that, uh, that you know, um, dedicating it to them and also um, Henderson's dedicated mm, yeah. to uh, to Stephen Gerrard. You know, I mean, what you, what what do people think of that uh, dedicating it to people all the time? You know, and, I don't know. You know, who are you dedicating you that question to? Pete? <laughs> I'm, dedicating, I'm dedicating that question to you, Neil, Mike. <laughs> Since your family. Uh, since your family, yes. Well, do you know what? I know it's a funny one, but I think it's a respect thing, isn't it? I mean, I think I think a lot of fans, yeah. when, when, when that whistle went through the night, and a lot of fans, when it was suddenly dawning on us that we'd won, that we'd won, we finally got this holy grail of what we've been after for 30 years. With, yeah. I think I think it wasn't long before, well, certainly for me anyway, it wasn't long before thoughts turned to people like Stephen Gerrard because there was a kid who... who carried our team on many, many occasions. He was the heart and soul of that Liverpool side and he very yeah. much was a spearhead of the team. And um, I was lucky enough to, to, to know Stephen for a while and, and socialise with him and get to know him a little bit better. And You know, I, I've known that kid when, 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 when he's cancelled nights out because we've been beaten or even withdrawn. He lived and breathed. I sat in the car with, yeah. with him when he got sent off in the derby when we won 3-1 in Anfield and he got sent off. And I, mm. I drove back to his house with him and he was... He kept repeating how much he'd let the club down and how much he'd... Mm. And he kept saying, I, I, I always seem to do this, Fitz. I always seem to do... And I was saying, Stevie, 1-3-1. But he... That club is, is in every single fibre of his body. Yeah. And I saw it firsthand and I saw what it did to him mentally and physically and I saw that, that he went through turmoil. So for me to hear... Klopp saying for Stevie, I know what I, I said. Yeah. We know that that would have meant the, the world to him. And I think... His, I know. Do you know what? Even to the point where I remember that he was. I probably shouldn't say this, but I don't know. Anyway, I, he was doing a recording of. Um, they think it's all over. That thing with James Corden, uh, where, uh, a couple of seasons. Ago. And he'd left Liverpool, and it was when, um, obviously, when Jordan Hen and and did written a load of gags. These the, the, the producers or whoever the, the gag writers had written a load of gags, and, and and they were all aimed at Jordan Henderson. And Stephen at one point stopped filming. And he said, "I'm getting off. If you keep doing these jokes." He said, mm. that, that's, that's our captain, and you bang out of order. Yeah. And, and he, he, yeah, yeah. he made them take them out. And these are the things nobody hears about, but mm. just because he left the club, the club doesn't leave him. And, and he's always mm. been an advocate. He loves, he really, really loves uh, the job that Henderson's done. And now we can look at Henderson. Henderson's taken over his. Henderson's won a Champions League and a, and a, and, and, and a Premiership. It's extraordinary. Yeah. But I think it means so much that, that when Henderson, and Henderson knows that, and I think these dedications, if they're done right, if they're done and they're yeah. done from Genuine. the heart, then they're absolutely yeah. right. And I think yeah. they are, mate. I think they always have been. And I, I, yeah. I think you can dedicate it to more than one person at one time. I mean, I think a lot, a lot of us, when the whistle went and in those minutes and hours afterwards, you're thinking of all the people that you've shared yeah. moments with over the last 30 years, and obviously some of whom who won't be with us yeah. anymore. And I and how you and how you'd like to, you know, to share it with them and how happy they'd be, at, you know, at what's happened. And I think. I think a lot of these dedications that have come from various people are entirely genuine and, you know, putting the attention on one person doesn't necessarily mean that it can't go on somebody. You know, it, 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 it's everybody's triumph. It, it's a collective triumph, which is something that the club and the city has always been about and something that Klopp's mentality is about. You know, that that's yeah. the kind of belief that, you know, we've all mentioned the word unity right from the start in this. And I, I, you know, I will always go back to that West Brom game. Even in recent weeks, I've had kind of, 
half tongue in cheek arguments with Evertonians who haven't taken it very well, who kind of like will. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I, I was shocked as well. But it, it, it seems like some of them were almost like willfully missing the point about what Klopp was trying to achieve that day. I shared something that kind of like it showed them all after the Barcelona game and all the trophies he'd won. And I think I said something like, you know, obviously a bit sarcastically, imagine celebrating a, a draw against West Ham. And somebody commented on the back of it. Surely mm. that just makes it even sillier. And mm. he, he was a blue. And I'm like, I, I, I didn't let, I, I didn't have the time or the will really to get yeah. into an argument with them. But, you know, there's the old saying, isn't there? There's none so blind to those, those who don't want to see. But the point is, Klopp knew that he had to, Shankly always talks the Holy Trinity, didn't he, between the manager, the players, and the supporters. And yeah. it was fractured when 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 Klopp took mm. over. It was it it wasn't working. And literally from those first few weeks, he knew that fundamental to his whole project of getting the club back on its feet was healing and mending that. Mm. And he put the steps in place to do it, and he's done it. And it's 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 as strong as it, as it's ever been, certainly in my lifetime now. It is. Well, listen, I'll just leave you with this question. I'll dedicate a question to all three of you. Um, <laughs> Simon, with you first, um, what could be achieved under this man? How far are Liverpool going to go? And I know we, uh, that's a bit ridiculous. Let's enjoy what we have. But this is a real special time to be a Liverpool player, is, uh, fan, isn't it? I, I, yeah, I mean, it's certainly in my lifetime, you know, it's the last five years have just been an unbroken, you know, go in the game and just so many great memories just and that's all because of you know Jürgen Klopp and what he's done um you know stretching back to 2017 18 just brilliant season he's brilliant as one after the other just incredible um i mean i i think liverpool are in a position now that they, they haven't been in you know in my lifetime if you know like both on off the pitch you know liverpool in the in the 60s, 70s and 80s, you know, different club then. You didn't have to be set up, I guess, commercially to go compete, whereas I suppose it is now, you know, Liverpool, there's a certainty around pounds, FSG, which is the same in Anfield, and, and built a new main stand, which I, I felt was a, a moment, really, in the modern history, you know, to, to decide to stay in Anfield, which is the right decision, because you just want to recreate that atmosphere. Yeah. Ground, don't care what anyone says. Yeah. Um, and, and then obviously around that time, clocks coming in as well, you know, so... You've got set up for Liverpool to go and be the club that everybody's always wanted it to be, on and off the pitch. You know, there'll, there'll be you know there'll be moments where you know fans will get frustrated with donors and vice versa. But you know, I think the owners have proven themselves as really donors. To be honest, you know they they, they, they club um, responsibly. Um, and, you know they they've they backed the manager when the managers felt like he's needed back. And, and as long as Klopp's there, as every confidence. Um, you know, the, the, he'll make the right decisions. And I think the thing that, that, that really excites him, as I said before, is the fact that he can go and do something that he hasn't done in his career before and be, maybe build a second team. You know, that's what he really wants to do. He wants to, you know, find replacements for, for for me, for, you know, the, the other sports and, 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 and build a second team. And if he does that, you know, the success for Liverpool is going to last for another, you know, on this sort of system that they've got going, maybe for another six and seven years. He play things right. I mean, it's obviously frustrating, isn't it? That you know, the, the summer where they've got a great opportunity to sign whoever they want in the world is obviously not going to be realised for, for for reasons in their control. You know, we can understand why the owners want to make slightly conservative decisions to some extent because they've got to put the club's financial health, you know, at the forefront of the thoughts. But you know, with 
with the team they've got this team I think can go another 18 months whilst so carefully building up the experience of the younger players who I think have got a lot of potential and no clock believes in so yeah I, I just don't see a finish ending any time I think the other, you've got to think of the other teams with them are they that close Man United played really well against Brighton one three nil, and you know it reminds me of like those sort of games when Liverpool had young players and went away and, and got a great result, and everybody's saying Liverpool are not that far away. I'm not yeah. sure about that. And then you know Chelsea, City, you know the it's the big rebuilds and drops that go City. So and Chelsea, do they have the manager with the, the managerial experience? You can take them to where they want to be. I mean, Liverpool are just in a great position and. If they play things right, don't make any mad decisions. You know, I think I think it could go on for for a good while. The future is bright. I threw you a bit of a grenade there, Simon. Actually, I, I, to the other two, I'm going to make it a much simpler one because that was me glass half half empty fan coming out. Let's just say to Dan and to Pete, Dan first. How are you feeling now? Let's enjoy now. Let's enjoy what this manager and this team have achieved, and 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 how can you sum up the season in uh, as best you can, Dan. It's been it's been a joy, hasn't it? You know, for me, the most pleasing part of it is that it's not felt like a season in isolation. This season has felt like an extension of last season, which felt like an extension yeah. of the season before. Each each year, it's got better and better and more enjoyable and more enjoyable. And Klopp seems to have this perfect balance between that kind of living in the moment, enjoying it for what it is, but also being a planner. And being down to earth, you know, and, and understanding the values of the club. One of my favourite ever Liverpool kind of quotes or anecdotes is the old Ronnie Moran thing. When, when we'd win a league in the 80s, and, and, and Ronnie Moran would, would throw the cardboard box of medals down on the table in the dressing room and say to the players, right, pre-season training, 7th of July, take a medal if you think you've earned one. And it's that little if you think you've earned one that I love. Just putting that seed of doubt in their minds that, you're only as good as your last game. You're only as good as your last season. It's you know it's the old Sunday league shout, isn't it? It's still nil nil, boys, and that's mm. what gives you know the, the hunger, the drive, the desire that we see in in that little clip at the end of the Palace game when they were terrorising the poor Palace defenders. Says to me that these aren't going to be resting on the laurels, and 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 just finally the the, the fact that obviously the, the way this season panned out, the way it has, the way that we haven't been able to win the league in front of our own people, I think we'll just light that fire inside them. Not that I think that they would have kind of thought, oh, we've, we've, we've hit the mountaintop now by winning the league. But I just think that's going to make them even hungrier to go and win it again next season so that we can celebrate properly in, in the time-honoured tradition. Good answer, mate. Uh, Peter, first and foremost, how did Eric take it? And uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, my dad just texted me and just said, well, that's it then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, He's sure. seen it all before. Master of the understatement. Still a season ticket holder in his... Uh, in his it, at his age, you're know, unbelievable. Hopefully, we we'll get back to the ground one day, you know. But I think if I was going to describe it, I just describe it as domineering. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. total domination from you know from start to finish, wasn't it? You know, and you you're thinking, oh, we're only twenty points ahead of one of the greatest teams in the world. I mean, that's Surely. what it was. That's what it, it boiled down. Three seasons. Unbelievable, and I think uh, you know it's just it's an unbelievable feeling, and I think you know the very fact that. Um, What's happened in the last few years with Klopp? I mean, I think back to you know uh, when Alex Ferguson was saying, "Oh, you know, we're going to knock them off the perch." Well, it took him what twenty-five years, twenty-seven years. Klopp's done it in a few years. It's yeah. just incredible, isn't it? You know that yeah. what he's actually achieved. And I think I got a few few texts off Man United fans. In fact, you know uh, Andy Mitten, who does United, we stand, and he just said, "Congratulations, best team." 
by a mile, you know. And yeah. it, when yeah, you know you, when United fans are saying that, they just you just know they know it's a dynasty. They know yeah. as long as Klopp stays there and everything goes right, that you know the, uh, the, it's a dynasty starting, and they just they just you know they're going to really find it uh, difficult. Um, and like uh, um, I saw Stephen Graham, I think on on, on his Twitter as well, uh, singing Championi. Yeah. Uh, we've got to say, come on, Stephen, get your head together. It's Campioni. Campioni. That's the one, Quite that's right. the one thing. It's from Rome in 84 <laughs> yeah, yeah. when they put round the, everywhere. It's Campioni. And unfortunately, we haven't been able to sing it for years. So we've uh, we've had other teams like City and United singing Campioni. God, it's yeah. not. And that's, yeah. the cu- that's the culture of the club. They, yeah. just, they still haven't got a clue of where it comes from. There. It comes yeah. from Campioni, the Italian, you know. Well, we'll so make sure I we... think... Yeah, well, I think, you know, with Liverpool fans, anyone listen to this, pull people up if they ever sing the other one. <laughs> and just all at once, a hundred bar fights start. Um, <laughs> it's important, not, this stuff. It is, it is important because it's part of our culture and that's what we, that, 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 that's hugely important to all of us. Well, listen, lads, last, the, the last six games, uh, Man City tomorrow, uh, the Guard of Honour, despite what Danny Murphy thinks. Oh. Um, we're getting, we're getting <laughs> Danny, a yeah, exactly. Uh, hmm. we got, uh, so that's tomorrow. Uh, Villa at home Sunday. We've got Brighton Wednesday, the 8th. Uh, Burnley, the 11th. It's all thick and fast, as, as we all expect. Arsenal, the 15th, is to be confirmed one way or another. And Liverpool, Chelsea, the 18th. Again, this is to be confirmed. I'm not sure this is, this is set in stone yet, but at the moment it's the 18th of July uh, when, when that big thing gets handed over to Jürgen and the boys and, hmm. and, and, and the dream is complete. Lads, it's been fantastic. I mean, a slightly extended version this this uh, podcast, but worth it. We're all so excited, aren't we? We are so excited. <laughs> back. Not every day you win the league, is it? Talk for hours with you, lads, and let's hope we do another one very, very soon. Uh, Simon Hughes, your book's out soon, mate. Lay, lay, lay. Yes, paperback. It came out. It came out last year, but it's, it's going to be out again at some point. Okay. In, I, don't, I don't think. It's, I don't think it's going to be next month. I think it's going to be in a few months' time. To be honest with everything going on, but it's. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's still available in hardback anyway. It's, it'll take them a while to spray every page with hand sanitizer, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the best of luck with it, Simon. Great to talk to you. Dan Kay, always a pleasure, my mate. And, uh, Thanks a lot, lads. And Peter, even more of a pleasure, because um, fantastic to talk to you <laughs> on, on the on, on, after doing this, mate, after all these years' wait. Uh, yeah. um, okay. The best of luck to all of you guys, and we'll speak again soon. That was another podcast co-pro between uh, Alain LaRouge and Poetry in Motion we did it people enjoy yourselves whatever you listen to this keep supporting us keep supporting the club if you're walking your dog across the field now get punched the air we have done it we brought it home uh, God bless you all and we'll see you all soon stay safe you've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo